Well, good morning. That was a little weak. Let's try that again. Good morning. It is a good morning. It's great to be together today. Holiday weekends, you never know what kind of crowd we're going to have. This is one of those holidays where it seems like we have as many visitors here as we have people who left going somewhere else. So thank you for being here. It's great to have so many guests with us this morning. I want to give a Project 9K update. Project 9K is our Bible reading challenge here at Netherwood Park. We've challenged ourselves as a congregation to read at least 9,000 books of the Bible in 2017, and so far we have read 2,731 books of the Bible. So continue to read, continue to report. Uh, We are not on schedule, so we need to pick up the pace so we can reach 9,000 books of the Bible. Um, We are halfway through, and we're only a third of the way where we need to be, so some of us need to do a whole lot of reading, so... Get those Bibles out, get to reading, and those of you who have been reading but haven't been reporting, please make your report. The reason that we have a Bible reading challenge is because we strongly believe in the power of God's Word. We believe God's Word is transforming. That's why we encourage everyone to regularly be immersed in God's Word, to read it on a regular basis, because God's Word is powerful. Also, want you to know that we believe in the power of prayer. We believe that prayer is powerful and it's effective. We are a praying church. If you're around us much at all, you'll realize that we are constantly in prayer for people of our number and other people that we often don't even know, but people here know about. And we would love to pray for you. So if you are here today and you have a prayer request, if there's something in your life or in the life of someone you love that you would like for us to pray about, won't you reach in front of you and pull out one of these green cards Fill out your prayer request, and then after services, just drop it in one of our collection boxes. And tomorrow morning, we'll send out these prayer requests to literally hundreds of people who are waiting to pray for you. We'll honor your prayer request if you'll just do that. So please let us know what requests you have, how we can be praying for you. Something else that you need to know about us is we are a church that believes in the power of baptism. We are a baptizing church. We believe that it's through baptism that we, we leave behind our old selves and we put on Jesus Christ. We participate in the death and the burial of, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's through baptism that we do that. So if you are here and you have not been baptized, that's something that we really should have a conversation about. On this same card, if you turn it over, you'll see a place where you can fill out your contact information and you can check a box that you would like to talk to one of the ministers or elders of this church about baptism, about being baptized. If you would fill out that information and check that box and drop it in one of those collection boxes, there's two at the back, one through these double doors up here, we'll contact you right away so that we can answer any questions that you might have so that we can talk to you about being baptized. The final thing I want you to know, and it has to do with this card as well, is that we believe in the power of the church. We believe that when we come together, there's much more power combined than we have individually. We believe that God calls us into communion, into community in a church. So if you've been attending Netherwood for a while and you haven't yet identified yourself as a part of this church, as a part of this family, we really believe that you should do that. And on that same card, again, if you'd fill out your contact information, check the box about church membership. 
one of the elders or one of the ministers will contact you. We'll answer whatever questions you have and we'll talk to you about becoming a member of this church. So won't you do that? Won't you do that today? Well, we are in the middle of a sermon series, a summer sermon series. We started it last month. The sermon series is called Jesus Asks. Each Sunday, we're confronting a question that Jesus asked then, and we're making that question personal to us now. We started this series by asking ourselves, who do our lives say Jesus is? And then the next week, we ask, why are we so afraid? And then the week after that, we raise the question, what good will it be if we gain the whole world only to lose our souls. And then last week, we wondered why it is that we often call Jesus Lord with our lips, only to fail to do what he says with our lives. And like last week, this week's question comes from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. This week, we're going to ask ourselves, Why do we focus on the specks in our brother's and sister's eyes while choosing to ignore the logs in our own eyes? And before we focus on specks and logs, let's focus on praying to our God. Let's pray together. God, it is good to be together. Father, it is good to be among your church. And Father, we confess to you that we oftentimes find it easier to focus on the faults of others. We find it easier to focus on the sins of others. We find it more comfortable to focus on the specks in other people's eyes, Father, while ignoring the logs in our own eyes. Father, help us to be people who first look at our eyes, look at our lives. Father, help us to be people who are more concerned about our logs than other people's specks. Father, help us to remove our logs so we can look with clear eyes, look through the eyes of Jesus Christ and see people the way that he sees people. And Father, we pray this prayer through his name, Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. Well, we heard Luke's account about these questions about specks and logs. Now let's listen to Matthew's account. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Jesus says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the log in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Well, let's just take a moment to make sure we understand what Jesus is doing with these questions, with this image that he's giving us. See, Jesus is presenting a laughable image for us. Jesus is drawing an absurd contrast. He's making a ridiculous comparison. If you ever wondered if Jesus has a sense of humor, this answers it right here. 
See, this is an image that belongs in a circus with a bunch of clowns, or maybe in a slapstick comedy routine. Picture, if you will, a clown that's coated completely in mud and who is trying to wipe a little smudge off of a baby's face. The clown's oblivious to the fact that she's coated in mud and she's obsessed with the fact that the baby has a little smudge on its face. And then in her efforts to get rid of that smudge on the baby's face, she and the baby both end up coated in mud. That's the kind of image that Jesus is presenting. It's a funny image. It's a ridiculous image. It's an image of a man walking around oblivious to the fact that he has a four-by-four post sticking out of his eye. And with that post sticking out of his eye, he's obsessed with the fact that his brother has a little speck of sawdust in his eye. It's a ridiculous image, but it's intended to make a very serious point. It's intended to make the serious point that it's ridiculous for us to focus on someone else's speck while ignoring our own logs. And it's even more ridiculous to try to remove someone else's speck when we're blinded by and we have this log sticking out of our own eyes. In effect, what Jesus is saying is, do you realize how ridiculous you look through my eyes? Do you realize how ridiculous you look when you focus on your sister's flaws? And you ignore your own. Do you realize how ridiculous you look when you try to fix your brother's sin, all the while ignoring your own? Jesus is saying, do you realize how ridiculous that looks through my eyes, my eyes that aren't clouded by sin? Let's do our own quick illustration together. And I want everyone to participate. I know not everybody likes to, but I'm going to ask you to participate. There's just six steps in this, and it's audience participation time. First thing you need to do is make sure that you have a copy of today's outline in front of you. You can find that in the bulletin, so pull that outline out. Okay, That's step number one. Second step is make sure that you have a pencil or a pen in your hand. Okay, Everybody, pick up your pencil and pen. Show them to me. I want to know that you got them. Good job. Third thing I want you to do is close your right eye. I see some of you, your other right eye, your, your right eye. Close that eye. Okay, everybody got that? Fourth thing is everybody make a fist. Don't shake it at me, just make a fist. Okay, and then take that fist and use it to cover your open eye. Okay, now fill out your outline. That's ridiculous, isn't it? See, we've created our own vision problems, haven't we? You can't fill in blanks that you can't even see. And specks and logs are like that. They create their own vision problems. See, it's not that Jesus is saying that specks are good and logs are bad. They each create their own vision problems. See, what Jesus is saying is that specks in your brother and sister's eyes, those are bad. But those logs in your own eye, those are even worse. 
The problem with your sister having a speck in her eye is that she can't see clearly. Specks blur vision. They distort vision. And the specks definitely need to be removed. But the problem with having a log in your eye is that you can't see at all. Logs blind us. They blind us to our own situation. And you're in no position to be calling attention to the speck in someone else's eye. And if you have a log in your own eye, you definitely shouldn't be doing eye surgery. Trying to remove the speck from someone else's eye. All you're going to do is make the situation worse. You'll both be coated in mud. That's why Jesus first said, do not judge or you too will be judged. Now, that's one of the most misunderstood and misapplied verses in all of the Bible. That verse is misunderstood and misused to preach and teach that we should ignore specks in each other's eyes. It's misused to teach that what's going on in your life isn't any business of mine. It's misused to teach that what's going on in my life isn't any business of yours. It's been misused to teach that your sin should be of no concern to me and my sin should be of no concern to you. It's also been misused to label people who do recognize the sin in other people's life, the specks in their brother's and sister's eyes. It's been misused to label those people as Pharisees. So let me ask a question of my own. Is it fair... Is it fair to see specks, or does that make you a Pharisee, a hypocrite? Well, I think the answer to that's really very simple. See, if Jesus hadn't wanted us to be concerned about the sin that we see in each other's lives, he never would have said, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll be able to clearly see and remove the speck from your brother's eye. See, in context, Jesus is saying, don't judge hypocritically. What he's saying is, don't judge the sin in others until you've correctly judged the sin in yourself. So I want you to know, you shouldn't ignore the specks in my eyes. But you must also focus on your logs. And I mustn't ignore the specks in your eyes. But I must focus on the logs of my own. See, Jesus isn't minimizing the importance of removing specks. We know this is true, right? A speck in your eye is a non-trivial event, right? You get something in your eye, it hurts. It disables, it blurs, it distorts our vision. If you have something in your eye, everything else stops until you can get that out of your eye. It's the same way with sin. Sin in my life, any sin is a non-trivial event. It hurts. It disables, it blurs and distorts my vision. 
And it blurs and distorts my witness. And it blurs and distorts my worship and my relationship with God and with his people, with the church. And just as the whole body suffers when the eye is suffering because it has something in it, the whole body of Christ suffers when any one of us has unforgiven sin in our lives. I want to tell you about something that happened to me. It's almost 40 years ago, and I need a prop to tell this story. As you know, 40 years ago, I was about four years old. It's amazing I was able to actually work at that time, but that's what was happening. I was helping build a house in Missoula, Montana for a relative. And we were doing some plumbing work, and we were cutting some PVC pipe that looked a lot like this. And as we were cutting that pipe without protective goggles on... All of a sudden, I had a tremendous burning sensation in my eye, tremendous pain in my eye. And I did what you do when you get something in your eye. I rubbed it, I washed it, I rinsed it out, I tried everything, but that wouldn't stop. The pain wouldn't stop. The burning wouldn't stop. And everything else shut down. My entire focus was on my eye. I had a splinter of PVC embedded in my eye. Well, I ended up at the emergency room. A doctor came into the room with a magnifying glass, looked in my eye, saw what the problem was with some real fine tweezers, pulled the splinter out, pulled the speck out, and miraculously I could see again. And the pain was gone, and the burning was gone. And I want you to know that I didn't for a second resist the doctor's efforts to identify and remove that speck. And I didn't for a second resent her for identifying and removing the speck from my eye. And that's what Jesus is calling on for us to do for each other. Because that's what love does. It identifies sin and it works to gently remove sin, remove the specks. Love works to restore vision, to remove the pain. And it works to restore our witness and restore our worship and restore our relationship. Our relationship with God and with his children, with the church. Now Jesus doesn't condemn speck removal. But he does condemn attempts at hypocritical speck removal. He condemns making a spectacle out of your specks while ignoring my logs. Which is why he says, first focus on the logs. First focus on your own sin. Then you can see clearly to remove my specks. Well, why did Jesus address this? Well, he addressed this because we have this problem, don't we? We often go around looking quite ridiculous with logs sticking out of our eyes. Why do we so frequently walk around with logs sticking out of our eyes and acting like everything's good? Why do we so often walk around with logs sticking out of our eyes and acting like we have it all together? Acting like we're sin-free. 
Well, I think there's several different reasons why we do that. One reason, I think, is just sheer arrogance. Sometimes we walk around with logs sticking out of our eyes because we just think we're better than other people. We have things more in control than other people. And we're able to convince ourselves that if we're doing it, then it must be okay. It must not be sin because, well, I'm doing it. And I'm not a sinful person. It's like saying, that's not a log in my eye. It's an ornamental plant that I just like to carry around with me. So sometimes it's just arrogance. But sometimes we walk around with logs in our eyes because of darkness. Because we're spending all of our time in places where it's just too dark to see the logs. Jesus put it this way in John chapter 3 and verse 20. He said, everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds, his logs, will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. So what do we do? Well, oftentimes we avoid church. And we avoid other Christians and we spend our time around others who don't care about logs, who don't even care about sin. And if they don't recognize that I have a log coming out of my eye, then maybe I can convince myself that they're right. They're right in the darkness. None of us see the log. So sometimes it's arrogance. Sometimes it's because we spend our time in darkness. But I'm convinced that the main reason that we don't see our own logs, the sin in our lives, is because those logs, because that sin no longer looks ridiculous to us. Because our sin has started to look normal to us. I'm reminded of what Paul said in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. He said, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, I think the main reason we don't recognize our logs as logs, the main reason we don't recognize our sin as sin is because we have allowed ourselves to become conformed to the world. This is the way it works. If our standard of whether or not something is sin, if that standard comes from the world in which we live, it's pretty easy to convince ourselves that we don't have any logs sticking out of our eyes. If you place a pinon tree in the redwood forest, all of a sudden that pinon tree doesn't look very significant, does it? But it's still a log. And compared to the world around us, our sin may not seem very significant, but it's still a log. And it still needs to be removed. Because that sin is hurting us. It's disabling us. It's blurring and distorting our vision. It's blurring and distorting our witness and our worship and our relationship with our God and with his children, our relationship with the church. 
So first we remove our logs. And we do that first by humbling ourselves. By seeing ourselves clearly, by seeing ourselves for who we are. And and by seeing our sin for what it really is. And we remove our logs by leaving the darkness. Instead, living in the light, the light of God's truth. We immerse ourselves in God's word. We surround ourselves with God's people. And then we can see clearly that our logs are logs. We're transformed by the power of God's word and the power of God's Son and the power of God's Spirit and the power that exists here among God's people. So we identify those logs. We confess our sins to God. We confess our sins to each other. And we accept God's forgiveness. And then we walk in God's light. And he's the one that removes our logs. And then we're able to turn our attention to the specks. It's then that we're ready to help gently restore each other. By gently helping each other remove our specks. Let me take you back to this PVC pipe. Let me take you back to the speck that I had in my eye. And I want you to imagine a ridiculous scene with me. Imagine if this had happened when I arrived at the emergency room. Imagine if the doctor came bursting into the room, grabbed me by the throat, threw me on the table, picked up a scalpel, and started digging around in my eye. And did all this with a length of PVC pipe protruding from her eye. Ridiculous, right? Well, and then imagine after a couple of minutes of this useless and extremely painful probing around in my eye, trying to find a speck, she turned to her nurse and said, I'm calling it. Time of death, 4.35 p.m. See, that's sometimes the way we go about our speck removal. And that's the kind of log-eyed speck removal that Jesus is condemning. He's condemning speck removal that is hypocritical. He's condemning speck removal that is harsh. He's condemning speck removal that is mean-spirited. And he's condemning speck removal that is final. See, Jesus is saying, don't judge hypocritically. He's saying, don't judge harshly. He's saying, don't judge with a mean spirit. And Jesus is saying, don't condemn. It's not yours to make final judgment. He says, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Fortunately, my ER experience was nothing like I described I can stand here and I can see relatively well out of both eyes. You see, my doctor was compassionate. She was patient. She was kind. She was gentle. 
And maybe most importantly, since she was looking and working in my eyes, she herself was clear-eyed. She could see clearly to remove the speck from my eye so I could once more see clearly. And that's the kind of judgment, that's the kind of speck removal that Jesus condones. Think about this for a second. What kind of person would you trust to remove something from your eye? Isn't that the same kind of person you would trust to help you identify and remove sin from your life? Wouldn't you want someone who is humble? Wouldn't you want someone who has been humbled? Someone who has recognized and confessed their sin? Wouldn't you want someone who continues to recognize and confess their sins? And wouldn't you want someone who is merciful? Someone who is compassionate? Someone who doesn't pronounce final judgment, but who treats you better than you probably even deserve. And wouldn't you want someone who's generous? Someone who's generous with their time. Someone who's generous with their words. Someone who's generous with their tone. Someone who's generous in their judgments. And wouldn't you want someone who is patient? Someone who doesn't give up on you. Someone who keeps working with you. Someone who is willing to keep walking beside you. And wouldn't you want someone who's kind? Someone who's gentle? Wouldn't you want someone who works on your sin without damaging your spirit? And wouldn't you want someone who works with you? Not someone who works on you, but someone who works with you. Someone who collaborates with you. Someone who cooperates with you. Someone who treats you as a fellow part of the same body that they are a part of. Wouldn't you want someone who loves you like they love themselves? See, that's clear-eyed speck removal. That's the kind of judgment Jesus condones. Humble, merciful, generous, patient, kind, gentle, loving. See, that's the judgment that isn't ridiculous in Jesus' eyes. You see, it's never ridiculous to be generous in our judgments because God has been ridiculously generous to us. And it's never ridiculous to be gracious with other people's specs because God has been ridiculously gracious to us. And it's never ridiculous to seek to restore and reconcile our brothers and sisters to their God and to their church. Because our God did what this world considers ridiculous. 
He sent his only son to this world to restore and reconcile sinners like us. And it's never ridiculous to draw near to our fellow sinners instead of pushing them away. It's never ridiculous because our God has drawn near to us. So church, so brothers and sisters, let's be clear-eyed and let's be ridiculously generous and gracious to each other because our clear-eyed Savior has been ridiculously generous and gracious to us. Let's pray. Father, you have been so generous. Father, you have been so gracious. Father, you looked at us in our sin and you sent your Son. And Father, it's because of your Son that we are able to stand before you whole, cleansed, perfect in your eyes. Because the blood of Jesus Christ has washed away our sins. So Father, help us to look on others as you look on us. Father, help us to not ignore their sin, but Father, first take care of our sin and then gently help them remove their sin so they too can be restored and call you their Father. And Father, we pray this through the name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. Well, we are gracious because he is gracious. Let's end by standing and singing about God's amazing grace. Let's sing.